Oh, I have come in the volume of the book. It was written about me to do your will, O God. I will do your will. Do your will. Do your will, O God. I will do. Stay there. Stay 
that room with worship. Oh God. 
There's nothing like Ziga Legudi. There's things we want, we want them to come very fast. We want them to come as fast as possible. But what God is telling you, just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. Ala Brenendo, 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 Ilakasumbarakati, Lequata Brandeske Beleketia, Zigedebelekoson, everybody, Zigedebe, Zigedebe, Zila Brado Jebedi, Laconan de Breketi, Aila Turiabata, Manzobro, Celebretinando Borocoti, Zigedebede. Zige, zige lebredu, rakwanan tabarikata, zebre ketete belekete, zige lebreke si belemeria, jadaburos nahadi, aikoto rebe keti bradodo, rakunam bababadwe labradi, zige lebrekuria bada, zabredo remeki sabahadi, lakwa taba sokro debendia. Sokoro berendi akata, zibele koriande bahadi, ila bada, ila bada. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We give you glory. Yes, raise it. We give you glory, glory, glory. Sadur Mahadi. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Jalaburia Katebo. Ilavurumokoti Bahadi. Mane kusabara de la hadina, 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 hadina. Leku sabala uriketela, jina na nombuhudi. Oh yes, Lord. Even tonight we welcome you in this room. 
let the levels of your glory rise let the levels of your glory rise let them rise like a cloud of incense to the halls of zion we cry out for you i got up Ania kunahil hadi etorei karadi jevedo vredo 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 vredede dedi atarakatatahila zembre kunambra ishke bebebehi rotenan zavrakile dududuj de bredi retenento roboila kariatata rekelebre santa barinde rekedi rokwate brakusta bababoa Jebre quetenento roco sibre de de deila, sibre de 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 deila, zibre de 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 deila, retende requetinde requesuntarabada, racata bracoscoroborocotaila brada, requete brecosontorobodi, etonde requetia, la brocoto, equetetetea, equetetetea, lequa, lequa. Tanantara barakatetei retondereke sibra reketea reketea rokokokoa rebebebea rekotototopo rekwa rekwa reketetetete rebababa atomentea lekusabra toto rebebebea latonontorokoto would you come tonight and settle with your glory would you come tonight and settle with your glory come tonight and settle 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 would you stir up your glory stir yourself up tonight and throw your weight about would you sit would you sit in the atmosphere in the full weight of your kavod would you shine with the full intensity of your shekinah latotepepebia rota 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 would you give us grace to be conscious of the presence of your glory would angels make themselves known tonight to facilitate the work of zion Ikata, ikata tetea, leto to 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 to, 
Reketia Nantepo Reketeti Zion break forth Zion break forth tonight Eturiaketaba Rutanika Ego 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 Yatinento Reketebra Would you heal tonight? Would you deliver tonight? Would you break yokes tonight? Would you give guidance tonight? Would you reveal yourself and visit tonight? Rakwatebo etanantatatatata reketetetetia roar 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 rokokotia shift atmospheres tonight shekatatia shift atmospheres tonight roll stones away lekatiboa ekatabaika reketete reum riatata riatatatia rokwetetetika ninkunenketiti transform and transport us tonight lekupa bring us to the realm from which your word is coming let senators ascend tonight senators in zion senators in zion ascend the holy mountain tonight Rekete, let the stairway, the stairway tonight, let the stairway, Lord, be open for ascension. This Ikuria Barekoma Satia Zeverabundarabai Kedede Etomali Etomali Ilabarakoba de Shedulia E Yaradi Zedede Belicadaba Zigedebuliade Jabba. Jabba, Jabba, Jebedi didi bidi gidi, Lekura baba baba didi, Come on, somebody, Likuria ba. We're not in a hurry tonight. Uh, we're ready to let this cook nice and slow. Rakura baba duriye gede, Lesumbra tanaila huria bahata, Rekete barukutaniata, ta 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 taniata ta taila. Riatoria Kaburie Ketaila Humba Libro Rondi Birigi Esha Esha Ratore Kesabradoria Rebo 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 Riaka Zigraduria Bababundi Rikite Gila Baba Gila Baba Gile de 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 belegedi balada Labrodon zivre kurabahadi Eh, yaraduri ege 
we build you an altar tonight let the God of whom we speak let the one about whom we preach make himself known tonight you and your host reveal yourself tonight and we know that you are not alone let the members of your host be clearly discernible Elohim Adonai you and your procession are welcome in this room tonight you can do as you please for we are in your service tonight we proskineo <laughs> we bow we kiss the sun we yield to you lato pepea etamalia taila Find expression tonight. Oh, how we worship you. Oh, 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 oh. Let the train of your robe fill this temple as we cry, Holy are you, Lord. Holy are you, Lord. Would you move tonight in ways we have no reference point for? Surprise us, Lord. Raise the standard of your glory till every soul is yielded, Lord, to your full control. We invite you, Lord, so go on a road. Glory, 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 
say glory, glory, glory to the King. Glory, glory, glory to the King. I am glory, glory, glory to the King. We worship you. We honor you. Thank you. Tonight we are ready. Come and move. We say yes to you. Come and move. We say yes to you, yes to you, thank you. As we open your word tonight, Lord, let it activate an energy level consistent with that upon which we look in the holy writ of scripture. This is your parish. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. Have your way. In the precious name of Jesus. And somebody says to the Lord, Hallelujah, would you clap your hands if you are a child of God, wherever you are online or in this room, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. All right, let's bring the keys down. Let's switch the shalom. Thank you. Isn't God good? He sure is. I know what your God, but my God is good to me. Ask your neighbor. Take that one down. Ask your neighbor, is your God good to you? Is your God good to you? Take this one down, please. And then move to Shalom and take this one down. Hallelujah. Just take it down, down completely. Shut it off. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let us make progress tonight please thank you um, we are in day 7 of what will be a 40 day journey um, still playing seven of what will end up being a 40-day journey we're going into a curriculum as we have discussed
that will prepare us to be a generation that is strong and that God can do exploits with. Um, because of time, I will not go through everything we have done over the last six days. Uh, I just want to get straight into the word of the Lord tonight. Is that okay? Uh, and if you're an intercessor, just stretch your hands this way and scream at the screen and the bold man on the screen shout, Strength, Lord. Say, Strength, Lord. Grace, Lord. Power, Lord. Move, Lord. And so today we are dealing, we dealt with what, what is God, what is man, what is in man, how does God or a spirit visit man. Today we're dealing with how does a spirit fellowship with man. Of course, the spirit we're talking about is God, but remember we're still in the section of this curriculum where we are dealing with the premise that God is spirit and what that means. Uh, I was sharing with them, by the way, tonight when I'm done preaching, uh, they don't know, but I'm going to put someone on the spot when I'm done preaching tonight. We are in a, uh, a season of practical training. Yes, so I'm going to toss the mic to somebody and ask them to. Yes, you. <laughs> no, no, you're not going to leave. You're stuck. The Holy Spirit will trap you. Amen. Uh, I believe I believe God has something to do through you. Um, and so I'm just going to lay out the ramp and I'm going to let you have the last 20 minutes or so. You know, it's, 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 it's apostolic training. Amen. Amen. You signed up for it. Alrighty. So, um, so Tony, can we take the, the gain of the music down? Um, possible, the gain? Apparently it's overshadowing me for those in the stream also here in the house. And today we're looking at how and to some degree why Take the gain down of the music on the on the mixer. A bit more. Thank you. Um, we're looking at how and to some degree why a spirit fellowships with a man. Someone say fellowships. Say fellowships. Uh, and for starters today, I want you to come to one of the most popular uh, scriptures in the Bible. It is so popular uh, that the average church says it once a week. <laughs> we know it as the grace. Someone say the grace. It is found in 2 Corinthians Chapter 13, if I'm not mistaken. So, Chrissy, you know our deal. I'll choose you display. Second Corinthians chapter 13. If you come to verse 14, we will make our journey tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Let's take the keys down completely from the main. Yeah, thank you. The Bible says, are you listening to me? 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, comma, and the love of God. Oh, no, yeah, I was, I've, 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 before, before I read the scripture, you know, I got distracted. I was sharing with Pastor Tosin earlier today. I, I was just asking for some constructive feedback. You know, I've got people in my life who tell me the truth, whether or not I like to hear it. So I was asking for some constructive feedback on the last six days. And um, we, you know, we had a good chat. And one of the things that came up was that this quote-unquote may not be for the baby Christian. And it broke my heart because this would have been for the baby Hebrew. Um, when an Israelite was teaching their son about God, in fact, the entire premise from which I have approached this, this journey so far is, if I was an early church Hebrew in the days of Peter, Paul, and the rest of them, teaching my son how to walk with the God I walk with, what would I teach him? Nothing that I have discussed so far this week would have been out of place to teach a 13-year-old in the days in which Jesus lived. In fact, remember that the Bible you and I read today was God either documenting the experiences of men or in the case of people like Paul, men writing what God told them in an experience. Just think about that for a second. The entirety of the Bible is either the history of certain people and what God said to them in encounters or the words of Jesus Christ and apostles explaining those words people wrote from a living relationship with God. So the Bible was written from experience into theology, but our generation wants to live back from theology into experience. Or should I say, wants to live theology, sorry, without opening the door for theology to live back into experience. And so this is, and I'm not joking, literally I'm, I'm doing this as much for my biological children as anybody else. When Gadesh and Jeremy both get to 12 and or 13, I'm going to sit down with them and take them through the recordings of this series. This will be my introduction. This will be me teaching my children how to walk with the God of their father. Um, and I believe, arrogantly you may say, but humbly my opinion, that any discipleship system that is bankrupt of the principles we are looking at in these 40 days is insufficient to raise a people who will walk with God significantly. So having said that, let's go back. So Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Chrissy, come on, let's go. Shout out to Chrissy in the virtual space. The love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. One second. Give me a quick second, shall we? I have a suspicion. I want to check something real quick. Because something's been bugging me for a while. I don't want to say it online in case I'm wrong. But something's been bugging me for a while. 
about the Bible. Supposed to say, yeah, about the Bible. Right, so. Hmm. Anyway, I'll deal with that in private. I'll deal with that in private. That's me and the Holy Ghost having a conversation. So we see three things here. Remember, God is a spirit. That's where we started from. He's seeking worship. He's not the only spirit seeking worship. Worship is proskineo, not singing or even uh, Levitical rudiments, but a life, according to Romans 12, a life lived as a living sacrifice in surrender to the supremacy of this spirit. In return, Psalm 8.4, we looked at yesterday, he will be mindful of us and visit us, meaning any any Elohim human relationship that is devoid of the visitation of the Elohim to the human means either the human is not meeting the prescribed relational parameters or the Elohim is trying to relate to the human and the human is just simply oblivious and insensitive. And then we gave examples of how God throughout history yesterday has always walked tangibly with man, right? And then I... I began to veer into something that I pulled back from towards the end. Now, this, this 40 days is a Berean study experiment experience, right? I will not break every single thing down every single step of the way. And that is a feature, not a bug. I want you to go and unravel the rabbit hole. See this as an introduction to certain concepts and experiences. I want you to go back and, first of all, prove if what I'm saying is true. Prove if I'm, if I'm twisting the Bible. And if you come to the conclusion that I'm not, that I'm merely presenting scripture as it is, then you unravel it. Does that make sense? Okay. So, we're now at the visit. I want to find out what does this look like practically? What's the purpose for this visit? Well, we can see here in 2 Corinthians, that there are three things that our, remember God is one, three distinct reflections of him. We call it the Trinity, the Father, Word, and Spirit, Jesus being the full embodiment of all three, the New Testament tells us. But it says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when a spirit visits a man, one of the components of what the man can expect is grace. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that we beheld his glory as of the first begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Someone say grace and truth. So when a spirit visits you and begins to walk with you, Whatever that spirit's grace is will be one of the things that it has on its menu for you. We're going to come to grace further down in this study, but I just want to touch on it real quick tonight. Is that okay? Okay. So, um, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a grace. And the word grace in the Greek is the word charis. From which you get the Greek word charismata. Which is the word used about the gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me somebody? Grace is not forgiveness or mercy. Forgiveness and mercy are byproducts of grace. Are you with me, somebody? Grace, contrary to the popular definition, is not unmerited favor. Hear me, somebody. Unmerited favor is one of the benefits that come with grace. Or should I say, grace is something you receive as an act of favor that is unmerited. Grace is tangible. The same way the gift of the word of knowledge is tangible. It literally means an endowment and an empowerment to function at the wavelength of that spirit. Grace is a spirit depositing in your bank account the capacity to enjoy a reality consistent with the standing of that spirit. It's the spirit putting at your disposal something you don't have, can't earn, and can only receive by its mercy so you can enjoy a set of possibilities consistent with that spirit. If you're with me tonight, say yes. I said, if you're with me tonight, say yes. Someone say grace. Say grace. I alluded to a few days ago that there are three dimensions of grace. We'll come to this if we have time over these 40 days. The first is the grace that saves. This is the grace at the start of your relationship with the Spirit. It is the grace that grants you a covenant in the first place. In the case of the king's spirit with whom we walk, right? This grace is administered as an act of mercy because we do not deserve, we are not on his level. All have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And so we would deserve death and ostracization. But as an act of mercy, grace brings us into covenant with him that is the first dimension of grace it's saving grace it's the grace that we call quote-unquote mercy it's the grace many of us abuse our entire life with God it was never designed to be eternal it was designed to be a transitional function to bring us to the second grace that we see in the book of Titus chapter 2 but the Bible says the grace of God that, let's go there, Christy, Titus chapter 2. Uh, you see, I, 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 well, today's the quorum, it's Wednesday, so we've got till 9 o'clock. So we can take our time just a little bit. Someone said just a little bit. Tony, I hope Live Drive isn't running. If it is, log out of it completely. If it is running. So let's go to Titus chapter 2. Is it? Okay, good. Titus chapter 2, shall we? Let us settle or attempt to settle once and for all tonight 
the great grace controversy. Let us do our best to lay it to bed so that it never rises again. The Bible says in the book of Titus chapter 2 and round about verse, let's see now. I mean the whole, <laughs> the, the whole chapter I would recommend for your edification. But let's go to verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Someone say the grace that brought salvation. So that same grace that got you saved has a second dimension to take you to. Has appeared, someone say appeared, visited all men, teaching us that. So grace now becomes a lecturer in the ways of the spirit. Are you with me? Grace one brings you into interface with the spirit when you don't deserve it. But then the second level of grace starts to teach you the culture of the spirit. It would be like a king going to the marketplace and adopting a pauper from a poor family in the market. A homeless orphan, an orchard. And then taking him home to the palace. The very act of bringing him from market, from market to palace is an act of grace, would you agree? Would you agree? That it is grace to bring a street urchin into an equal inheritance with a true-born prince of the palace. But then that grace won't stop there because if that urchin doesn't get changed, he will not last in the palace long. So the same grace then assigns to him a royal advisor to train him in royal etiquette. He learns, the grace will give him new clothes, but also teach him how to dress, how to walk, how to talk, how to attend functions of state. The Bible says here, this grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss, aka spirit and truth, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. The problem, see most preachers who teach this verse are some of my favorites because it means we agree that grace is not to be abused. Where I diverge from most of them is... They seem to make it sound like the appearing here is the rapture and the second coming. And that is true ultimately. But it is not true or it is not all there is to the truth. Something can be true. And not the complete. Something can be completely true and not the complete truth. Does that make sense? A fact or a principle or a reality, a statement, can be completely true in itself while not being the complete truth. 
context matters. This appearing does not tell us. There is nothing in this passage to tell us it is talking exclusively about the rapture. It simply says, the appearing of the great God and our Savior. In essence, grace must go from saving to teaching to sustain visitation. To hold audience with a spirit, especially on a regular basis, there must be a subsystem of your life, according to Romans 12, worship in spirit and truth that is consistent with the atmosphere and the technology of that spirit. Are you with me, somebody? It is that grace that teaches that then creates the space in your reality where that spirit feels welcome. It then takes you to the third dimension of grace. I call it ruling grace, governing grace, or performing grace. This is the grace Paul means when he says, I labored. He says, I did not waste the grace of God, he says, but I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. He was talking about a grace for ministry. Now, in his case, ministry was preaching as a preacher. In your case, ministry could be being a parent. But it simply means the grace, the spirit brings you into a covenant by grace, teaches you how to sustain that covenant by grace, and then empowers you to administer his affairs by grace. In essence, you need the same grace on a different order to now be the spirit's vessel, V-E-S-S-E-L, and vassal, V-A-S-S-E-L. Vessel means the container he moves through. Vassal means something under his control that he is completely in charge of. And you see why the grace message was demonically truncated? Satan allowed us hear truth that was completely true, that was not the complete truth. Yes, God loves you just as you are. Yes, nothing you can do will change his love for you. Yes, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. That is completely true. It is not the complete truth. It's not a lie, but it is merely part of a wider system of truth. What is that system? It is the system that God wants you to graduate from saving grace through teaching grace into governing or performing grace. And the Bible says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So that's the first thing that the visitation of a spirit will bring, grace. The second thing we see here is the word love. And I'm really trying to get to the communion part, but I just feel the need to touch on this real quick. So let's look at the word love there because God's love is kind of different from yours. Have you noticed? Or have, you, have you realized that God's definition of certain things and yours may not be the same? It's the word agape. Someone say agape. 
from the, from the root agapeo. Now, it says here, affection, goodwill, benevolence, brotherly love. But that's not really correct. This is one of the few times that the Strongs gets it wrong because it's just outlining its biblical usage. Let's look at the real definition. Right? It says, affection or benevolence, charity from G25. Let's look at G25, agapeo. Someone say agapeo. It means to be well pleased or contented at or with a thing. Right? Okay. Now, like I said, this is not a complete understanding. And this is one of the few times where to understand the word in the Bible, you have to consult with the people for whose language the Bible is written. Does that make sense? So, there are people called the Greeks who are still alive today, who speak Greek as a language, right? The same way the people who speak Hebrew as a language. They will explain to us that there are several words for love, many of which are in the Bible. There is the word filio, from which you get homophile, right? Homophilia. Are you with me? There is audiophile, a love of music. There is, I'm trying to look for positive words here. There is, um, there's a biological term called, I forgot, uh, aquaphile. It means something that likes water or does well in water. It simply means that you have an affinity for something. It's the root word of the word Philadelphia. It means city of brotherly love. So, for instance, when Jesus and Peter were talking in John chapter 21, 22, Jesus asked Peter twice, do you agape me? Peter responded with, I feel you. Now, let's go there because I, I want to make the case because if I'm saying the Strongs gets it wrong, um, you may think, how dare you? Are you just trying to bend it to your... You know, remember, these are just tools, so none of them are infallible. They're just tools, okay? Right, so um, let, me, let me make that point so you understand that I'm not just trying to use the Bible as is convenient. Right, so Peter has gone fishing after Jesus died. He thinks it's over. Jesus comes back. Peter is so excited yet so broken that he messed up again. One, by denying him. Secondly, by going fishing. So verse 15, John 21 says, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, meaning Simon by Jonas. Which is why I'm... See, wait. I need to go back and look at my original King James Bible, the one on paper. Because I am getting very suspicious No, anyway, let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. So, when they are dying, Jesus said to Simon Peter, I want to be sure that they're not changing some things. Maybe it's just me. Because for the last few years, and I've been reading my Bible over and over again, I've been reading it in a different translation each time. So, I haven't read through the entire Bible, Genesis, Revelation, in King James in a few years. I've done New American Standard, Home on Christian, NLT, whatever. But I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm seeing some things in King James today that seemed to me to be slightly different from how I remember them. But maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, getting older. So, 
Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, I thought that would say Simon by Jonah, love thou me more than these. Now let's look at the word love there. So Jesus is asking Peter, do you, now notice, listen, 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 listen. Many of us mistranslate this verse as, do you love me? Mm -mm. That was not the original question. It was a question of comparison. Someone say comparison. You get it, Tony. Do you love me more than these? Very rarely does a Christian struggle when God asks, do you love me? No, we love you. I mean, you're the big G. Come on now. You saved us. You've given us fire insurance. We love you. Mm -mm, that's not what God is usually asking. He's asking, do you love me more than something? Baby, so I'm right, right? Because I, I, I just, okay, Padre says it keeps updating because I don't, I, just, I, I grew up, I've been reading the Bible now for 33 years and some things I see in the so-called King James these days, I don't remember how I read it the first time, but hey, like I said, I need to sit down with my paper King James Bible from 25, 20, I've got one from about 27 years ago that I still own, 22, 27, 23 years ago, and compare. But this is the question, Tony, that we struggle with. Do you love me more than this or that? Because love on its own is a spurious thing until it is compared. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love him more than your job? Aha. Do you love God? Yes. Do you love him more than your Netflix? Mm. Can I go deeper? Do you love God? Yes. Do you love him more than your desire to be married? Or if you're already married, than being married? Aha. So he asked the question, do you love me more than these? Now, there are two schools of thought as to what the these mean. One school says he was talking about the other disciples. The other school says he was talking about the boat and the fish. I know which I suspect, but I don't want to argue. And I'll tell you why I suspect the one I suspect. Because at the end of this conversation, the Bible says he left something and never returned. And it was not the disciples. It was the boat and the fish. That's why it is my suspicion that that is the these Jesus was talking about. But whichever the answer is, it doesn't change our journey tonight. Do you love me more than these? Let's look at the word love, shall we? The word love there is the word agapeo, which we have just defined according to the Strongs as to be fond of or to love dearly. Okay, now let's look at Peter's answer. Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. That seems like a, a reasonable conversation, doesn't it? 
Tony, do you love me more than something? I say, Lord, you know. Notice, he didn't say, yes, I love you more than that thing. He just says, Lord, you know that I love you. I love Peter's honesty. And the first step on the journey to alignment is to be honest. Because alignment is a test of comparative love. Do you love me more than X, Y, or Z? You must be honest and say, Lord, you know I love you. Meaning, I may not yet love you more than this thing, but help me. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Now, if that was all there was to the conversation, it would have ended there. The problem is, in the very next verse, Jesus repeats the question. This time, he removes the comparative. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Pause. What's Jesus getting at? And Peter answers again, Lord, you know that I love you. And in verse 17, he asks the second question, again, without the comparative. Another time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And the Bible said, Peter was grieved. Something about the third question offended or hurt Peter. Why? You, this is why for those who say, well, eh, all of you Hebrew and Greek people, you see, if you don't study Hebrew and Greek of the Bible, you will miss things like this. So let's look at Peter's first answer in the Greek, shall we? Jesus asked him, do you agapeo me? What's Peter's response? You know that I agapeo you, right? No. He does not use the word agape in his response. The word translated love in Peter's response is the word filio. Jesus says, do you, and I'll define what agape really means to you in a second, and you can check with people who speak Greek as their language and they'll tell you I'm telling the truth. Um, Jesus says, do you agape your me more than this? I'll just tell you now. Agape means covenant connection. Agape is love in action, not love in emotion. That is why it is the only kind of love a spirit can give you. Because spirits, quote and unquote, are not driven by mere emotion. Yes, they do have emotions, true. But spirits are driven by covenant. Agape means I have a love for you that is bound not by how I feel, but by a commitment to you. That's why it is correctly translated in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 or 14 as charity. What do we know charity to be? The demonstration of love in your behavior, right? When you give, when you, when you help people in need, it's called charity. That's a dimension of agape. It's love demonstrated and regulated by what is supposed to be, not as I feel. Jesus was asking Peter, are you more, is your covenant with me superior in its, in its power over your decisions to how you feel about your well-being? And Peter, knowing that as of that time, Peter had just demonstrated by denying Jesus that his agape for Jesus was substandard. So Peter, in his heart, I will die for you, I will kill for you. Peter has been humbled. And his response is, Lord, 
you know that I think you're a great guy. Let's look at the word filio in the Greek, shall we? Are we getting somewhere tonight? Filio. Look at filio. It says, to like or to love, to approve of, listen, to treat affectionately or kindly, to welcome or befriend. Doesn't that, it says, to, now the definition, to have affection as a matter of sentiment or feeling. Listen, it now, listen, it now corrects its definition of agape. Can you see there? It says, wow, G25. And what is G25? Agapeo. So, I wish they had simply just corrected the entry for agape itself. But they are now correctly defining agape in their definition of filio. It says, while G25 is wider, listen, embracing especially the judgment and the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. The two thoughts stand very much as two words. In essence, they're, 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 they're saying the difference between filio and agape is the same difference between two different sets of words. I don't have time to show you. You can check on your own. It then says the former, meaning filio, being chiefly of the heart. Someone say the heart. And the latter of the what? The head. You get it now. So, filio means I like you. I'm fond of you. I feel fuzzy when I think about you. It's of the heart. The Bible says agape is of the head, right? It's a covenant love. Have I proved my case? That their original definition of agape is wrong. So, I don't know why they, didn't, they don't just update their original definition. Because they updated it in, the, in trying to differentiate agape and filio, they correctly defined agape as the classical Greek speakers will define it. It means a love that is regulated by principles and decision. It's the love of my will. Agape means I choose to love you. I choose to prioritize you. I make a decision that I will treat you a certain way regardless of how I feel. Hint, hint, guess which love the Bible tells you to have for your spouse? Agape. It's only because there are days where you will not fit. Now, actually, there's three other types of love. There's stoge, which is the love you have for family. It's the love an uncle has for a nephew, an elder brother for a younger sibling. It's the kind of love that makes you prioritize your family above other people. Then there is eros, romantic love. It's the kind of love Adam had when he woke up from his dream and he saw Eve and said, Woman, Yago, you're a bad man. That's the, 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 the sexual attraction kind of love. There'll be days where you don't feel errors for your spouse. Trust me. I don't mean as they get older. I mean you can feel errors on a Monday and it's lacking on a Tuesday. You can look at one person in the morning and be sexually attracted to them. And in the evening of the same day, you're tired, you're stressed, you've had a bad day, you've had a fight. And the ladies, the ladies see, men, hear me, hear me. When you get married, your wife will educate you that her eros for you rises or falls based on how you treat her. She'll let you know that it's a lot easier for her to be sexually attracted to you if you've been nice to her 
you know, I, I, I've heard that housework supposedly helps that kind of attraction, that, that taking out the trash or doing some dishes or, or, or running an errand or buying some shopping when you're asked, you know, acts of service, you know. But Eros rises and falls, amen. Filio, there's days where you will not like your spouse. You, you just want to, you literally look at them and you just want to throw them out the window and catch them before they hit the ground, just before they hit the ground to teach them a lesson. But agape can endure because it's based on a covenant. And agape is the love a spirit brings. Well, actually, the other kinds of spirits don't bring agape. They bring hatred. Our spirit, now this is talking about the who of God. Because I told you we discussed both the what and the who in this series, right? What is God? Spirit. Who is God? Love. There's your answer right there. What is God? Somebody say spirit. Who is God? Love. The same Bible who says God is spirit also says God is love. Love is a person. How do I know? Because when Paul shows us love, let's go there real quick, Chrissy. When Paul shows us love in, uh, in the 1 Corinthians chapter 14, chapter 13, sorry. He describes love as a person. The word here is charity. It's agapeo, the covenant love. Charity suffers long. Charity is kind. Charity does not envy. Charity does not vaunt itself. It is not puffed up. Charity does not behave, someone say, itself. Only a person can behave. It goes further. Does not seek her own. That's a personal pronoun. Is not easily provoked. Thinks no, in essence, love is a person. Are you guys with me tonight? Talk to me in the comment section. I want to make sure I'm not losing you. So what is God? Someone say spirit. Who is God? Love. If you want to understand what God is, you need to understand how, what a spirit is. Now, having understood what God is, the same way, what is my wife? She's a woman. Who is my wife? She's a joker Israelisiave. The spirit explains to you the generic properties of every spirit that God was the progenitor of and how he must be related with. Love talks about his peculiar nature among the other spirits vying for your worship. Are you with me so far? So he brings grace. Someone say grace. To the, to, to, to the visitation, 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, one second, sorry, 2 Corinthians 13, he brings love, agapeo, not filio. So actually, let's finish the Peter story before I move on. So he asks Peter the first time, do you agape me? Peter says, I like you. Peter, do you, do you have a covenant of loving submission to me? Peter says, Lord, more than these other things. Peter says, Lord, not really, but you know I really, really like you. Jesus asks a second time, Peter, do you love me? He answers again, you know I really like you. Then the third time, let's look at the third love Jesus uses before we move on. Remember, this is just a bonus for today. The third love here, Jesus then asks Peter, do you feel you me? 
Tony, and this is why Peter is grieved. Because Jesus has accepted that Peter is insufficient to agape him. Hear me. Humanity is insufficient to walk in... Now, with, the, with God, it's love, agape, loving covenant. In essence, this is the token of the covenant, love. Remember? When, when, when the disciples asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, Jesus says, you can summarize everything in two. What were the two? Love God, love your neighbor. He wasn't just sum summarizing the Ten Commandments, Peter, uh, uh, Tony. He was summarizing the entire Mosaic Covenant. Because really, the entirety of the covenant was, love me and love your neighbor. That is the covenant that regulates our spirit, God, Yahweh. Now, every other spirit has their own covenant. And it is usually a perversion of love. Hate, jealousy, competition, strife, whatever it is. But it is impossible as the old... See, so the Old Testament was God showing us how impossible it is to match his definition of love. All those 600 instructions, the Ten Commandments, the entire Mosaic Law was God saying, this is what it would look like in the context of your day. Because some things are time dependent, right? Dressing like a man in that day is different from dressing like a man now. But the Old Testament was God saying, if I reduce the principle of love to instructions, you could never keep it. As the book of Hebrews tells us. It was given to show us the hardness of our what? Heart. What is in man? Spirit, soul, body. We're coming there in a few days. Where does the heart fit in that? In essence, the part of man that can connect with God, the heart, is, incom is, incom it, is incompatible. It, 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 it does not meet, if love was a software, the hardware of the human framework could not run that software. Every time I upgrade my Mac, I lose some apps. <laughs> it tells me this app that was working yesterday can't work today anymore because it's not compatible. And then I got to a point with my, some of my computers where the computer itself could not run the upgraded Mac software because the hardware can't handle the upgraded software. Love is the software of the covenant that regulates us with the spirit we, we serve. And God says, I gave you love as practical instructions to show you that you are not, you're not capable. This is where saving grace comes in. So God says, I will come with my love. The Bible says the love of God is shed. Check all the scriptures. I don't have time to show you all of them. The love of God is what is shed abroad in our hearts. It says we love him because 
he first loved us. He, that's, that's the grace element. He had to plant his own love in us for us to be able to connect with him in love. And he's the only spirit who did that for us. Who does that for man? And how did he plant the love in us? By dying for us. He didn't just, there you go, there's love. No, he came and lived it out. He came and fulfilled every Old Testament requirement of the law. So the, th the Bible says, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill it. So everything the Pharisees argued with him about was something they added to the law, not something the law expected, including the Sabbath. Amen? The Bible says, Jesus says, not one tittle or jot of the law shall pass away until it has been fulfilled. How? By me fulfilling it. Meaning when he said it is finished on the cross, he had fulfilled the entire law. In essence, the things the Pharisees were arguing about were not God's original parts of the law. The only things Jesus fought with the Pharisees about, he was telling them, you added that one. God did not. The Bible says, God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It did not say, worship it till when it becomes a God. Are you with me? So he fulfilled the law and became the fulfillment of the law as love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And then love died and said, when you believe on me and accept me, not only will I credit all I fulfilled to your account, I will give you the ability to do it. So you can't buy salvation by your action, but the fact that salvation has fully worked in you will demonstrate in your actions. AKA, as the old church mothers used to sing, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. Don't let any preacher tell you. I was listening to a very sound young man today online. Sound guy! Talking about, um, about walking with the Holy Spirit and taking instructions. And then, he then, he then everyone, he'll say, well, you know, we all mess up once in a while. He'll say, you know, say, say, we all have seasons where we're in our flesh. After a while, I got irritated with the, uh, we all, we all, we all. You know, like, you know, the, the, you know the, the seasons where we always, we'll, we'll, we'll always, you know, be rebellious for a season. But we'll, I, I said, sir, um. Say it the way I say it. There are seasons where I currently, mm -mm, don't say we all. Because the examples you're giving, some of us have passed. There are things we may be struggling with, but we're not struggling with the ones you are currently talking about. So don't tell everybody that we all, mm -mm, no. The Bible says, let us go on to perfection. Putting aside the rudiment. In essence, a time comes where, you have the grace and the love to walk out a life pleasing unto God. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, that I pray for you that you may walk worthy of your... It is possible, believe me. I don't care what you're struggling with. I'm proof. It is possible to walk... See, I have seen in every season of my life things that I felt I could never walk away from. It started from Ten Commandments in... Then he moved to pride. Then he moved to certain relationships with people I loved. Then he moved to even things like things I like to do with my spare time. And I said, God, why are you coming for my hobbies? 
And in every season so far, I have seen the love and the grace of God work in tandem to where what I used to struggle to let go of is now like, really? There was a time when I was crying that I couldn't listen to secular music, Pastor Tony. I was crying. I'm not joking. I was crying. I was, I was weeping. I was like, God, I like, you know. I remember the last CD I ever bought before I let go was Bobby Valentino. I'll never forget. He's still burnt in my brain. It, 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 I'm dating myself, right? Bobby Valentino was the last secular album that I ever owned. I've forgotten the name of the album because I finally decided I was going to, I have decided to follow G. And I had a bonfire, 27 Bungrieve Road in Sheffield, where I used to live. And I brought all my CDs and all my records. Boom. I mean, Pastor, I'm talking about good oldies. But some of you are too young to, uh, Tony, you know what I'm talking about. Teddy Pendergrass. Al Green, Otis Redding. Many of you think the Eiley brothers started collaborating with Al Kelly. No. The original Earth, Wind, and Fire. Even the, even the name should tell you there's some, there's some spiritual business going on. And we have, Pastor Tunji, you know what I'm talking, they, they don't listen to the music, you guys don't listen to music these days. We had those days, real music, real music, real music. The kind of music some of you are conceived to. You know what I'm saying? Over a thousand pounds worth, and I burnt it, 2005, it was. I said, Lord, finally, I'm done. Now, you sold yours. <laughs> You can't pay me to listen to that stuff anymore. Can't pay me. Listen, you can't pay me. Because there is now the grace of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning the one he brought, and the love of God. Both are now working in me to a point where it is I, I am capable of realities I could not be. I can, not, I can now walk in spirit and truth on levels I could not before. But I went through all this. So like I said, so he, tell, so he finally tells Peter, okay, do you like me? And Peter, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. He's saying, Lord, you, you see where I am. The same Peter died for Jesus upside down on a cross why because the grace and the love finally found expression in him but i i went through all that to get to the final one on that list and by the way today will be a part one of a part two tomorrow because i'm going to continue the exact same if you notice i haven't been starting exactly where i ended every single day some days are continuation some other days are closed go do the rest of the homework yourself we move. Tomorrow, I will, come, I will start exactly where we end today. But we still have 45 more minutes. So let's see how far we can go. Um, are, you, are, are, you, are, you, are you getting something tonight? I'm doing my best to go slow. I'm trying not to hoop. Well, not that I ever do. But I'm trying to pace because I want you to, want you to get this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. Pause. Why does it attach grace to Jesus and love to God, a.k.a. the Father? I'll tell you why. 
because each of these three dimensions was first introduced by a member of the Godhead. Grace was introduced by Jesus, right? Now, Old Testament men like Abraham tapped into it in a shadow. But the fullness of grace came through Christ, right? The Bible tells us the fullness of grace came through Christ. However, the fullness of agape started in the Old Testament. So grace changed from old to new in its expression. Love never changed. In fact, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, when were we yet sinners? In the Old Testament, God loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So love was, love was demonstrated by the Old Testament expression of the Father. It was that love that led him to send himself as Christ Jesus who brought the modified expression and explanation of grace. So it is the grace of Jesus, not, not the grace of Abraham, the one perfected by Jesus. However, the love never changed. In fact, Jesus' coming was proof of the love of God in the Old Testament. And then it says the communion. Some translations say the fellowship. And again, like I said, I haven't, I haven't read the King James Bible back to back in a few years. I do a different version each year. I seem to remember my original King James Version saying the fellowship of the Spirit. Am I wrong? It says communion. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm just... Yeah, but this one is saying communion. And I've been noticing things over the last... Because I've been reading... I have been reading a lot of King James this year. On, on, you know, and I'm beginning to say, I don't remember this word here or there. So I need to go check the, the physical Bible. But anyway, let's, let's keep moving. It then says the fellowship of the what or the communion of the spirit. Why? Because this is a dimension of the visitation that while it existed in the Old Testament was perfected by the person of the spirit. Are you with me? Someone say communion or fellowship. Now the word Communion or fellowship is the word koinonia. Someone say koinonia. Koinonia. Koinonia means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. Someone say, mm. say it with an attitude. Say, mm. intercourse. The share which one has in anything. Intimacy. The right hand as a sign and pledge of fellowship. A gift jointly contributed. A collection. Definition. Partnership. Participation. Social or otherwise intercourse. Pecuniary benefaction. That's a legal term, right, Pastor T? Communication. I really should be a lawyer. Communion. Country distribution. Do you get it? Someone say mingling. 
The word koinonia as fellowship simply means to mingle. Now, I don't mean Christian mingle, the website. I don't mean we're all in a room and we are mingling with each other. That's not the real meaning of mingling. Let me show you. Tony, can we get a glass? Please let me get a glass. And um, let me get my, my coffee from the a gla- any, well, glass so they can see a transparent glass and my coffee from, from, from the kitchen. Um, I didn't plan to do this, but I just had a, an inspiration of the spirit. I want to demonstrate koinonia to you what real koinonia is. And then you learn somewhere, the Bible says we should not forsake the fellowship of the brethren, the assembling of ourselves together, when he tells us to fellowship with one another. Uh, It's talking about a lot more than coming to the same building once a week. Now, you need interaction to fellowship, but interaction alone is not fellowship. Are you with me? Which is why, thank you, sir, when, when my fellow pastors were arguing with the government in the early days of COVID and saying, you know, we need fellowship. The Bible says we must fellowship. I said, sirs, ma'ams, um, the Bible wasn't talking about attending a service. See, attending a service is important, but that's not fellowship. So this is koinonia. Can you see now? So this is my, um, I'm looking forward to having this once we're done tonight. It's my cup of Costa coffee. I think I should have removed, Costa should pay me for this advert. A day will come when, if I do this, a million people in a week will watch it. So, Costa, holla at your boy. So, this is what we call fellowship. This is you. This is the person you're fellowshipping with. So, let's, let, let's, let's, let, let, let's, let's make it this way. So, this is Sally. This is Shade. And this is Shaniqua. Right? Someone say Sally. Someone say Shade. Because it's a Shade. No. It's my mother's language. Shade. Not Shade. Shade. Right? I'll let you have Shade. Someone say Shaniqua. Okay. Now, our carnal definition... Chrissy, leave the man alone. Leave the man alone. Leave the young man alone. I, I, I don't endorse that comment. Amen. I, uh, right. It's, it's hard out here being a preacher. I may not approve of some things, but I know it's hard being a preacher. And the Bible says, let those of us who stand take heed lest he fall. So leave, 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 leave the man alone. Leave the man alone. So by the modern day definition, if uh, Tony, okay, I, so I need, Tony, I need to be stuck on this camera for this, um, uh, for this analogy. Cool. So, I want to be stuck on the, uh, on the camera directly facing me. So, if Shade, Sally, and Shaniqua have fellowship as we understand it in church today, look, Shade is coming from her house. Look at Shade, everybody. This is, oh, so this is Sally, sorry. Sally's at home, so you can't see Sally. She's there. Put her in her house. Then Shaniqua is coming from school, so I'll put her off screen as well. And then Shade maybe lives on the same street as church. And so Shade gets to church first. Then Sally gets to church second. And then Shaniqua comes home far. She, maybe she lives in a different city. She arrives at church late. They sit down on the same row. They say hello to each other. 
They listen to a sermon together. They give each other a high five. Then maybe even after church, they go, the church has a, an eatery bar or a place where food is either served or shared. And then they go there together. Or maybe church is around the corner from a cinema. I was going to call the name of one, but again, they need to pay me to shout them out. And so they go to watch um, Woman King together. I haven't watched that yet. I need to once the fast is over. And then they talk about each other. They talk about their family. They laugh. They gist. Maybe they even a friend during the week and they go and do some stuff together. And so we say they are mingling. We say they are having fellowship because they're like three musketeers. Right? Like some of you I know. Okay. That's the world's or even the modern day, ch modern day church's definition of fellowship, koinonia, what I call mingling. Let me show you the, now, notice when they are done, Sally can go back, this was Sally, right? No, which one is, okay. Yeah, Sally can go back home. Shade can go back to her university library to continue study for her exam. And Shaniqua can take a train back to the city, the next city. Maybe churches in London. She came from High Wycombe, and she'll go back to High Wycombe. That's what we call fellowship. And so when a day comes when they fight, or they have an argument, right? If, if two of them like the same guy, and one of them gets the guy, and the other one does not, and the other one feels like, you know, well, I told you I liked him first, and so they, they have a split. Each of them can walk away and live their lives perfectly fine without the other. In fact, 20 years from now when they're both mothers or maybe almost 40 years from now when they're both, all three are grandmothers. Shade may have ever forgotten that Shaniqua and Sally ever existed. If she bumps it, ah, Sally, how are you, my sister? She's not your sister. You haven't seen her for 25, 30 years. My sister, how are you? How's my brother? He's you don't even know him. You weren't there when she got married. You see the nonsense we say? Now let me show you the Bible's definition of fellowship. As I've just, no, I just read it. The share which one has in another, inter blah, blah, blah. This is the Bible's definition of fellowship. This is the church of God. Look, not the building, this container is the church of God. We have a little bit of Sally, a little bit of Shaniqua, and a little bit of Shade. This here is fellowship. Please separate them for me. I would like you to separate Shade, Sally, and Shaniqua, try your best. Tony, would you like to have a go? No. You know why? Because they are now in fellowship. There will always be a piece of them connected in the spirit. This is God's, this is the positive version of a soul tie. This is what Elisha meant when he told Elijah, as your soul lives and mine, nothing can separate us. If you understand this, then you get 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When the Bible says, 
the body is the body profits by that which every joint supplies what's a joint where two parts meet if there is division here what happens Tony, can you come, please? Pastor Tosin, please come. Both of you, either side. Both of you, either side of me. Tosin, please, hold my elbow there. Tony, hold my elbow there. I want you guys to try and pull me to your, to your side each. Tony, just be nice. I know you're a man, you're stronger, but just pretend I said stronger. All right, so both of you pull. Now, stop. If they keep pulling, let's assume, see, you know, you know the, some of the old saints were killed this way. A horse will be tied to one hand and leg or both hands, another horse to the other hand and leg, and the two horses will be forced to ride in opposite directions. What's going to happen to that person? Have you ever separated a joint before? Thank you, guys. Who here plays sports? For instance, if I'm not mistaken, I seem to remember, I think, separating my shoulder. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. It's called a separated shoulder. I was supposedly a Christian. And I used the word supposedly. Pastor Dawson, because... Even though my tongue did not say it, my spirit or my soul swore. I'm not joking. I'm serious. It, this happened not too long into my alignment journey with God. This was about 2004 when this happened. Tony, I was swearing on the inside. The pain was unbearable. Seven years ago, before going on a trip to Kenya for a missions trip, on the day of my, so the night before my flight, for some stupid reason, I thought it was a good idea to go play basketball with some kids around the corner. And my finger was separated or dislocated. This finger, Tony, was pointing, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, my finger was pointing at an almost 90 degree angle. Why? Because it was dislocated. That is what happens when people who have had fellowship are separated. You will never be the same. And that's exactly the way God wants it. So he tells you, for instance, love your spouse like they are part of your own body. So if you, if you mistreat this woman, if you break this covenant with her, it should feel like you've separated your shoulder. It, there should be a dislook. The pain should be, and the fact that many of us can just cut people. I've seen say, say, yeah, just cut them off. It's a demonic gift in our generation to just cut people off. And I know there's all sorts of idiots in the names of motivational speakers telling you online, choose those who choose you. Now, see, I'm not talking about walking away from an abusive relationship to preserve your peace. That's different. I mean the, the casual, I, we fought and that's it, just cut you off. Fellow Christian, 
You're not a Christian. You don't know you're not a Christian. Because we're all supposed to be the body of Christ. If you've been baptized into the body. See, when my toe is hurting, my whole body hurts. So your pain should shut me down. Last night at the press, we were praying. And while we are praying, I heard news that one of my siblings in the Lord and their family was going through a horrible trial, a horrible experience. I had planned to go home, Tony, after the press. I ended up sleeping in the office because I could not, sh I, I, I kept waking up every other hour from sleep with the situation of my mind. Because if we are part of the same body, if we truly have agape, what breaks you should break me. I shouldn't be able to just enjoy normal life knowing that you are in pain, especially if I have something to do with your pain. So the Bible says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Caris, the agape, the covenant dealings of God, and the fellowship. Someone say fellowship. In essence, Tony, fellowship with the Holy Spirit looks like this. It's not coming with your Bible. Ikaraba, setwa, etina. No, that's not fellowship. That's intercession. See, listen. Ika. Right? That dimension of tongues should be what comes on the other end of fellowship. In essence, you have had fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and now his burdens are your burdens. So you now feel his pain. You know, I told you, that scripture is misquoted when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. It says that can't be uttered. So the ear, atwa, are we not uttering it? And I hear more than you all, don't I? So I'm not, I'm, I'm, see, you, know, you all know that when I start groaning, it's crazy. But that's not what the Bible means there. Different types of tongues. It says, this one is not a tongue of man. The Spirit makes intercession not with us, for us. In essence, the Spirit is groaning about things we have not been able to pick up yet. He is holding the fort for us. He's, so in essence, when you start to walk with him, the Holy Spirit can start the process. He's, he's literally, something is hurting in the realm of the Spirit. He's bearing a burden. And when you begin to fellowship with him, he expects you to pick up the burden. And so you start where he stops. By the time you start, it means you're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm here now. Thank you for holding the fort. Now let me join the fray. Someone say communion. Say fellowship. God is a spirit. That's what he is. God is love. That's who he is. 
he's seeking proskineo, like most, like many other senior spirits, right? He will, in return, visit, or first be mindful of and visit. And when he visits, tag team miracle, when he visits, he comes with three things. A grace for you to start the journey of the covenant that will then teach you to fulfill his requirements and then empower you to perform on his behalf. A love that is the fulfillment of the covenant, which on your own you cannot keep, as the Old Testament showed, that he will use, he will shed abroad in your heart to meet that level. Listen, and as a consequence of both, a fellowship. See, intercourse first starts as interaction, but it goes deeper, right? Maybe children watching, mine definitely are, so I'm trying to be classy. You can't have intercourse on two different ends of the same town. Well, social media, um, but the classical definition, right? So intercourse starts with proximity and interaction, but it goes deeper. That's why we have things called STDs. Because by the time true intercourse is complete, there's a little piece of me in you and a little piece of you in me. Does that make sense? And if either of us had something negative, the other gets it because we swapped DNA. Do you hear me? And that's for those who say, well, you know, um, you know, uh, we're just kissing, you're still swapping DNA. And there's a spiritual ramification, but I digress. But the real extent of intercourse literally leaves, it, in essence, you can be identified scientifically by who you've had intercourse with. Right, Tony? That's how sexual assault cases are prosecuted. We can test and see that there's something left in you that came from someone else. That, as I just read to you the biblical definition of fellowship communion, even when we talk about having holy communion, the bread and the wine, it's still the same principle. We and he. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, uh, ooh, okay, so, um, Tony, so, um, shalom. So, let me give you two scriptures real quick in five minutes before I, before I toss the mic. Sir, is this consistent with the rest of the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. Exodus 25. Somebody say Exodus 25. Chrissy, let's go, let's go, let's go. So the, the entire Exodus 25 story is God telling Moses to take an offering from each Israelite to build. Remember, each Israelite. Oh, I, Miracle, just behave yourself and stop being the Aprocos student tonight. 
slow down, <laughs> but you're right. Um, I'll show you, hopefully, before we're done with these 40 days, that one of the benefits of being visited by the Holy Spirit and having a covenant walk with God is provision. Someone say provision. There is no man the Bible records as meeting God in the Bible who was poor. Just deep that for a second. There's no man the Bible presents as having a covenant with God that was poor. Think. The Old Testament ones make uh, uh, common sense, right? The argument would be about the new. Well, read very carefully. Men like Paul. Paul says, I worked with my own hands. Listen, Paul says, I know how to abase and abound. So there were seasons where Paul was cash money. Are you with me? Jesus told Judas, go do what you have to do. And the Bible says everybody thought he meant either buy something needed or give to the poor. Poor people don't have money to buy something needed. And they certainly don't have money to give to the poor. When we're going to feed 5,000 people, the Bible says the question was, where do we find the bread? Not where do we find the money? They said, even if we buy 200 or 300 denarii worth, meaning they had two or 300 denarii worth. A denarii was a yearly wage. Are you aware, Tony? A denarii was a yearly, the minimum, sal the minimum wage for a year was a denarii. They said, we have access to 200, or was it three? It says there were women who ministered to him from their substance, right? Paul built churches, and they, they were members of the church, people like Lydia the Baptist, a dealer in purple. Purple was expensive material. But I digress. We'll deal with that, how there is a component of the walking with the Spirit in covenant that makes provision for the ambassadors who walk with him. Um, but, but we'll get there. But every Israelite had something to give. Why? Because when they were coming out of Egypt, every Israelite. Are you with me? There was no broke Israelite in the, in the wilderness. Because all of them had taken something from the Egyptian masters they served. All of them had taken 430 years of generational wages unpaid in one day. And God says, all of you put stuff together. We're going to build a temple. Or tabernacle, sorry, right? And I need each of you to have skin in the game. Hold that thought for when you got to the to the summit. I, I'm giving you guys advance notice. You know, I like to warn you in advance for people who have problems with money. At the summit, we will be presenting to you a building project. So, you have time to prepare to not give if you don't want to. So you don't think we're trying to use music to entice you. At the summit, we will be presenting to you a building project. We're looking for a building. We will have found it and be presenting it to you to buy it. Hopefully without a mortgage. Amen? But they were building the temple. Look. And when they were done, or at some point, verse 8, Chrissy, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Okay, keys. I may dwell among them. Why should we make the sanctuary? Because I, God, want to dwell among them. I told you, 
the spirit, any spirit that walks with a man is not satisfied to throw instructions from afar. And I told you the definition of a covenant on day one is a system that licenses the spirit to have unfettered access to the earth realm. He says, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof you shall make it. Moses, that 40-day journey we took, it's a bit too loud, the 40-day journey we took, remember? Take the gain down. The 40-day journey we took into the heavens, remember, right? He says, I wanted to show you what it looked like in heaven. Because when you come back to the earth, you are going to build me a replica. Someone say a replica. Someone say a replica. You're going to build me something on earth that mirrors what I have in heaven. Are you listening to me, somebody? You are going to build me something on earth that mirrors what I have in heaven so that when I come to earth, I am comfortable. This is the law of the spirit realm. A spirit will only inhabit a system in the earth that is a faithful pattern after or faithful copy of the pattern in its home dimension. Are you with me? In essence, stop screaming. Whether you're praying to Yahweh or Shongo, it's the same principle. You are seeking God. There are people God is seeking because their heart is perfect towards Him. In simple English, they have created a system in their life that mirrors heaven. When a spirit sees its natural reality duplicated in the earth, it is attracted. And that's what sin does, for instance. I told you, just start masturbating. God forbid, but just start. Enjoying yourself, you're having fun. You know, you listen to the people who tell you it's just a form of self-care. You listen sadly to the preachers, many of whom we still respect, but who got it wrong by telling you it's not a sin, it's just when it's in excess. You're listening to a man who used to be addicted to it. It was in the year 2005 that God finally delivered me. I hear me. And for good measure, after deliverance, he permitted me, after he delivered me, he permitted me to sleep once after, just once, so I could compare. I'm telling you, it is a spirit. I know from experience. And eventually, you keep doing it. The spirit behind it will visit you. Because it will tell you, ah, malikumai, this is, this is good. This is, this is, this is home. Okay. It's the same principle here. Moses, please build me something that captures heaven in the earth. 
build me something that reminds remember it was a metaphor in the new david first showed us that all those things could be replaced with music and jesus showed us that even the music is just a metaphor for our life but then look at that oh, I'm, I'm almost done i'm almost done before I get, i'm gonna get out of your way so build an ark blah 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 overlay it with pure gold put rings blah 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 put a cher cherubim on it why because the cherubim are in the heavenly place it has to be carried by priests for priests why because ezekiel tells us that the throne of god which the ark is representative of is carried by four cherubim you get the whole point right mercy seat yada 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 and then we get to verse 22 it says and there someone say there so someone said there's a there if you're going to experience the fellowship of a spirit you must first create in your life the there and i don't mean the physical place i mean the system of life that mirrors the ark there i will meet with you listen and i will commune with you so a spirit doesn't just want to visit you visitation is just necessary for communion it wants to what commune with you be careful with spirits now any spirit you regularly entertain will commune with you that's why we need deliverance you know why we need deliverance because great granddaddy communed with a spirit he started off by meeting with the spirit and then they became unknown to him an intercourse such that four generations down the line, when great-granddaughter or son finds Jesus and wants to live life, the Spirit says, I'm here. There's a piece of me in you, and there's a piece of your lineage in me. And then you preacher, young preacher, straight from Bible school, school of ministry, listened to Reverend Israel's messages on the Quran, watched apostles so-and-so, Reverend so-and-so, you know, you watch some of us online, ah, me too, I'll try it. You get your oil. Come out! It's be like, wait, 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 wait. I would have slapped you, but there's an angel behind you, so I won't slap you. But just relax. See, have you been? See, any anybody here ever tried to do deliverance before in your in your life at some point, and you were lectured by a spirit? It's a very painful situation when a spirit lectures you. Now, I don't see. I don't mean that. I don't mean the ones that are bluffing. I mean when you know that you know this spirit is telling you the truth. There were times in my beginning days where the Holy Spirit just said, just fall back. Holy Spirit would tell me, just leave this here today. Let's talk for the next two weeks. You'll be back. And the spirit lectured me, Pastor Tosin, informed me about its right to be here. About the rent it has paid through generations. And then said to me, listen, to, Pastor saying, a spirit, when a spirit, a demon calls you young man. But those were those days. Now, try it. The spirit will look and see that there is an ancient spirit in me. I may, be, I may be some decades old while you are thousands of years old. But the spirit that created you now dwells in me. So you can't call me young man anymore. I'm your senior. I'm, what I'm carrying is older than you. But he said, young man, you're wasting your time here. Pastor Tosin, I took my Bible 
I'm not joking. My physical Bible, I put it on the floor. I said, I stand on the word of God. Ah! I said, I stand on the word of God. The thing just looked at me like, the spirit was like, Kini Bobo Rada Rada. I mean, what's all this nonsense? Zeal without knowledge. Someone say zeal without knowledge. It won't get you very far. I watched a spirit slap my junior sister and my spiritual junior sister. We were ministry with deliverance. And the spirit looked at me. He says, he said, you are wasting your time. He says, you, I respect you. He said, as for her, if she likes herself, tell her to stop talking to me. We thought it was just bluffing. The spirit held her by her shirt. Said, he looked at me again and said, I'm telling you, take her out of this room. We, I, I was, I, I, no, let, me, let me call her Sally. I'm like, yeah, Sally, go. She says, no, I know who I am in Christ. The spirit just rode a bar with his hands and boom. So I had to physically insert myself between the two of them. It couldn't hit me. It knew my standing. So I had to physically shield her while we moved her out of the room. He then said to me, ask her. She knows why she can't be here. We found out, Pastor T, that the same thing we were trying to cast out had had communion. Someone say communion. Say communion. You literally cannot sleep with the enemy the night before battle and expect to win. And I mean, in some cases, I'll let you figure out the rest. I mean, you are sleeping with the enemy you came to deliver the next day. God give you understanding. God, someone say, God give me understanding. God grant you understanding. Communion. You walk with the spirit when it meets you regularly. There will be an exchange. Someone say an exchange. This is what the Bible means. And I close here. Pastor T, get ready. Uraba. Let me scare some of you. First Corinthians chapter 6. See, if you are still dabbling with some stuff under the name of grace, let me help you tonight. Maybe this may be part of your assignment tonight. Because some of you are still, well, you know, there's grace. You jump into bed with the literal enemy and say there's grace. First Corinthians chapter 6. You don't know. You don't know. First Corinthians 6 from verse 15. Are you ready? Know you not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members? Someone say the members. Of a harlot. You know, I was reading today's Bible. No, no a few days ago. Yesterday's Bible reading. Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says, don't, don't partake in the works of darkness. It then goes further to say, expose them. While I will, not, I will not commit my ministerial life to attacking other ministers, I will stand on the Bible 
and let the Bible attack who it attacks. Some of us are not compatible with some of them. We're not. Unity is not that we all get along. Unity is that those of us who are in the body, the oil flows from head to beard to skirt, right? If you are the chair, you're not in the flow. Brethren dwell. See, we must first be brethren to dwell in unity. Listen, if you are struggling with a fault, even as a preacher, if you are fighting, struggling, crying out to God, believing for your, for, for your full deliverance, you know, you're my brother. I will stand with you. Now, part of standing with you will be to rebuke you in private. And it will also be to tell you, put the mic down a while while we work together. But you're my brother or sister. But if you are living life apostate, if you're practicing iniquity and teaching people, if you're corrupting scripture to justify your own perversion, we are not brothers, oh, we're not. You are, I'm not your brother. So we cannot dwell in unity. You're what the Bible calls a wolf. A grievous wolf that has come into the flock to spare not. And as a shepherd, my first job description when I see a wolf is to reach for my knife. So this whole, eh, I don't know why some preacher just attack. See, I'm not attacking. Do you, you ever hear me call anybody's name? No. I'm attacking what the Bible attacks. If you are in the way of the knife, so be it. But we are not brethren. If your practice is in, if your shameless practice, so much so that you have now adjusted your gospel to make, let's move. Psalm, um, Second Corinthians six. I said Psalm, First Corinthians six. God forbid. Bible says, don't be partakers of their works. He says, expose them. Someone say, expose them. It is apostolic ministry to expose falsehood. What? Know you not that he that is joined to a harlot is one body? Eh? Yes. If you are joined to any person, harlot or not, you are one body. Saith the Lord, two shall be one flesh. You're not one nefesh. In essence, your emotional, psychological reality and theirs are connected. Your nefesh and theirs are connected. Anything that has access to their flesh now has access to yours. God give you wisdom. But he that is joined unto the Lord, verse 17, it's the same language. He's saying our relationship with the Holy Spirit in communion is intercourse just the same way fornication is intercourse with the harlot. Tony. So God doesn't want to have a relationship with me in that we just talk and go home. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as me. He wants to be one, someone say one spirit. A mingling, a core, this, to where we don't know who is Sally, Shaniqua, you notice I'm putting a little bit of the coffee because I'm looking forward to having my coffee. Or oh, Shade. Notice Shade with the coffee. 
this is what fellowship with the Spirit looks like. And we'll go further tomorrow. This is what it means when it says, God is Spirit. And if you will worship Him, you will worship Him in Spirit. In essence, you will bring the part of you that can connect with Him and you will pour them and a time will come where we can no longer accurately divide. This is where the Holy Spirit ends and Israel's spirit begins. The Spirit of God is the candle of man. Lift up your voices and pray. Come on, lift your voice, lift your voice and begin to pray. Don't worry, we're not going to be too long, but just lift your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Mazuka padika zike bredos gabande. Come and lift your voice. Mazebro koshka. Mazige da bridas gotabra hida doja. Mande brekos gebika zuka pando satire. Malibra kos gebende brekezika tushka. Mando brekes getebre uzga pandoja. Mazika pando brekezika pandosha. Father, we thank you for revelation this evening. Father, we thank you for your word that has come forth with power and with light. Mazeke Pandoja. Rekoza Patika Dosh Kapande Brekoza Talabando Shaya. Ramazo Kapande Brezita Lamandosh Kapande Brekezete Lebrendosh Kapande. You know, Rev mentioned something while he was teaching that stuck with me, and he said that any spirit that you entertain will commune with you. And for some of us, in the same way that P.O. was given the analogy of fellowship with God and how true fellowship means that it is impossible to separate. We see the mixture of the water and the coffee and it is impossible to separate. And that is the kind of fellowship that we ought to aspire to with God. But there's many of us that have been entertaining strange spirits for so long that has meant that we have fellowship and communion with other spirits apart from God. And so this is what we have. This same analogy of true fellowship that we're supposed to have with God is now what we have with other spirits. And this is not something that can be separated by man, but this is something that can be separated by God. It's going to take a supernatural work. So I want you for the next one or two minutes, I want you to say, God, do a supernatural work 
and separate me. And say, God, separate me. Before you can have true communion with God and before you can have true fellowship with the Spirit of God, there is no way that God is going to come and commune with you while you are in fellowship with other strange spirits. So I want you to lift up your voice and pray for 60 seconds to two minutes and say, We're going on a journey over the next 40 days to become one with God to really understand the ways of his spirit but right now some of us are communing with strange spirits and we are joined with strange spirits so lift your voice and say God do a supernatural work and separate me from every strange spirit that I have entertained and communed with that has prevented me that has prevented me from communing with you and coming into true fellowship and oneness with the spirit of God come and lift your voice and pray say God break that bondage break that union break every demonic union break separate oh God separate me from every spirit that I have joined myself to come and lift your voice and pray come and say God separate me from that union and fellowship with the spirit of perversion come and say God separate me from that fellowship and union with the spirit of lust come and say God separate me from that spirit and union with carnality come and say God separate me break that union break that union from every strange spirit I break free come and say God do a supernatural work this is not something that you can do in your own strength this is not something that you can do with your own wisdom the reason why you have tried for so long and you have failed is because now you have fellowship with the say with a strange spirit it's going to take a supernatural work so come and say God do a supernatural work Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Mazuka pando breke sataya. Reko shapande brokosa pandi kazota. Labando shapande brokosa. For my brothers and for my sisters. Reko shapande mazota. Father, I pray that you will do a supernatural work. Mazoka pande. And where there is a strange joining, union, and fellowship with every other spirit from yours. Let there be a breaking free tonight in the name of Jesus that we will be free to become one with your spirit that we will be free to be joined to your spirit that we will be free to have fellowship with your spirit we break free God from every strange spirit that we may have fellowship 
with you God bring us into oneness with your spirit bring us into oneness with you bring us into true fellowship with the spirit of God bring us into true fellowship with you oh spirit of the living God Come and say, God, I want to be one with you. Say, God, I want to fellowship with you. I am ready to come into oneness with your spirit. Come and tell him, say, God, I am ready to come into oneness with your spirit. I am ready to fellowship with you. I want to become one with you. I want to become one that we may be inseparable. Let our minds become one. Let our hearts become one. Come and tell him, say, God, I want to be one with you. Maze Brendosha. Rezike Pando Zetele Bandosha. Mazike Pende Brekuska Pandi Zatola Bandosha. Oh, thank you, Spirit of the Living God. Lebrakosha Talabande. Thank you for you are bringing us into true fellowship with your spirit. Mazeke Pandiria Zotala Bandosha. You know, in Daniel, I believe Pio also referenced the scripture in one of the teachings. I think it was from two days ago or three days ago. It's Daniel um, chapter 11, verse 32, I believe. And I'm paraphrasing. And the second portion of that particular um, verse says that they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And the word know there is the word yadar, which is the same word. We know this as a house, which is the same word that was used in Genesis when the Bible says, and Adam knew his wife, which describes intimacy. Intimacy. I don't know if you joined the live on, I believe it was yesterday when Pia was speaking about the four dimensions of power. And God began to show me how what actually yields true power power is intimacy for they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits intimacy fellowship oneness with God is what yields true strength true power and true exploits so when we are speaking of becoming one with the spirit of God we understand that this yields strength and it yields power. So Father, we pray that in this season, you will bring us into oneness with you. We pray God that in this season, you will bring us into true fellowship with you. That we may be strong and do exploit in the mighty name of Jesus. Very quickly, I just want to pray for somebody. I see this is, this is a little bit unrelated, but I see a picture. And it's a, it's a picture of, a, of someone's brain. And I can almost see like a, a vulture and a creature eating away 
at your brain and what that has resulted in and it seems like something that is just, you know, your inability to retain things, your inability to retain the word of God, your inability to focus when you're, you know, reading your Bible or even when you're at work, your mind is just all over the place. Um, you hear a word like, like, like today, you go home and somebody asks you what, what, you know, what, 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 what was the word about? You don't even know what to say. There is something eaten away at your brain. If that's you and you can relate with what I'm saying, I'm just lifting you up right now before God. God wants you to know that it is not normal. It is not normal. What you have been experiencing for the last few weeks is spiritual. There is something, a creature or vulture has been eaten away at your brain. So right now we call upon the fire of God. We call upon the fire of God to consume that creature that has been eaten away at your brain in the mighty name of Jesus. And the thing is, this has stunted your growth because not only is it affecting you in your workplace, it is affecting you when it comes to the things of God and to the things of His Spirit. You just have the inability to retain the things and the Word of God. But we put an end to it tonight in the name of Jesus. And I declare over you in the name of Jesus that you have the mind of Christ. I speak a sound mind over you. Your mind belongs to God. The fire of the Lord is consuming that creature right now in the name of Jesus. And if that's you, if you know that you can relate with what I'm saying, I want you to just tap in right now. Place your hand on your head and say, my mind belongs to God. Come on, lift your hand. And say, God, my mind belongs to you. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just take this opportunity. Father, I just command every dark cloud over the lives of your people and over the minds of your people to be lifted in the name of Jesus. Every dark cloud in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you will purge the atmosphere over the lives of your people God and I declare and I decree in the name of Jesus that the atmosphere in your homes in your life is conducive for the spirit of God to work and to transact with you oh thank you spirit of the living God I thank you for what you are doing I thank you for what you have already done oh father we give you praise we give you praise we give you praise we give you praise 
And Father, I just pray for healing. I hear the word tension headaches. Tension headaches. Father, I pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus. If that's you when you have been suffering from tension headaches, it's very specific. It's like the GP or somebody has mentioned that phrase particularly to you. Tension headaches. I want you to place your hand on your head. Father, healing in the name of Jesus. Healing healing in the name of Jesus right now I believe God is just dealing with the mind and the brain right now healing healing in the name of Jesus over migraines tension headaches thank you spirit of the living God father we bless your name we bless your name for the marvelous things that you are doing in our midst and the marvelous things that you continue to do we give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 And amen. Just a, a couple of announcements. Um, as you know, we have our summit coming up. If you haven't registered, please make sure you do so. Like Rev has been saying consistently, you have to register. Spaces are filling up very, very, very quickly. And if you don't want to miss out, if you don't want to be just in the overflow and not fully experience what God is doing, then please register. And if you've invited somebody, then please get them to register. As you know, we are, we have been on a 40-day journey. It is written where Pio is teaching every single evening. He mentioned that there may be one or two people um, who may come in between the 40 days, but he is teaching and laying foundations for what I believe is going to be an explosion um, at the summit. There's something that Pio always says and he's been mentioning a lot lately in the last um, couple of teachings and he's been talking about zeal without knowledge zeal without knowledge what we don't want to do is get to the summit and be on fire but not have knowledge and I believe what God is doing over the next over these 40 days is that he is granting us knowledge so that when we come out we'll come out with zeal and knowledge so please make sure you are tuned in to what God is doing um, I'm not sure if I'm missing any other announcements we have captivating um, which is on the 22nd of October eaten from the cookie jar I believe is the theme um, please tune in. It's going to be on Instagram Live. Yes, eating from the cookie jar at 7 p.m. on Saturday, the 22nd. Um, yes, it's going to be on Instagram Live, and I believe it's going to be streaming on YouTube as well. So please tune into that. Invite your sisters. It's going to be fun. And we have, let me see what next we have. Giving Kingdom Builders. Guys, Kingdom Builders, God is doing an amazing thing in KCM. If you would like to partner with us, there's three ways you can partner with us. You can give. Pio mentioned that we are going to be announcing a building project at the summit. We also have a Kenya orphanage. Um, we have a pastors and ministers fund. There's, there's loads of things that God is doing through us as a house. So if you would like to partner with us financially, um, please do that. Um, on your screen, you should see ways in which you can give. And secondly, if you would like to partner with us through prayer, we have a hub called Prayer Culture, where we pray and we intercede. And it's a non-denominational, so it's not restricted to just members of KC. And you can also partner with us by volunteering. So if you would like to volunteer for the summit or just what we're doing as, a, as an apostle, house then please reach out to us as well and then we have our prayer culture um, we have different watches that go into our prayer culture 
Um, the next one, I believe, is tomorrow morning at 6.30, which is the morning drops of glory. And then we have the gap at 12 p.m. We have um, our 7 p.m. teachings. Um, and then we have the press, but that's on Fridays. So, guys, tune in. There's loads that God is doing through us as a house. And I believe those are all the announcements. Thank you. That's an amazing Somebody say company of prophets. You see, it's already moving. God is on the move. There is a corporate dimension to the altar of the Lord. And there are things which are not just because of the individual, but they're because God wants to move through a people and everyone in that vicinity has a right to tap in. Uh, God bless you, Pastor Tilson. Thank God for your life. I just want to end by praying for the people who uh, have, and I, by the way, I affirm every single prophetic word you shared. I bear witness in my spirit about some of them, but I affirm each of, all of them. If you believe, if you know, you know that you have communion with a spirit, lift up your hands wherever you are. Let, let's, let's divorce you from that spirit tonight so you can marry the Lord. If you, if you believe that there is that there is proof in your life that something is not right. Maybe you have walked in a manner in your own life that you know has opened the door to demonic communion, or you believe that there's perhaps something to do with your family or wider circle that is affecting you. Lift your hands tonight. Now, um, I want you to, if you're, if you're alone, please sit down, unless you're driving, um, so that if anything happens to you physically, you don't hurt yourself if it doesn't have to happen, but just in case. Father, I come humbly tonight as a servant of Yahweh. I come as an emissary of the one true God. I stand at this altar that you have erected for us as a people and a house. And I ask for mass deliverance tonight. Break every yoke of communion with any spirit that is not you. Let the jikunindiri astovratis kabonikalianos kapata. Let the yoke be broken. Obsession broken. Oppression broken. And even possession broken. Every dimension of diamonai, of demonization, of demonic influence, we scatter over your people tonight. Let them be divorced from hell's influence that they can be fully married to you. In your body, in your mind, and even in the realm of your emotions, we disconnect you tonight. Be free to worship him. We remove you from that unholy alliance so that truly you may give yourself away. I hear the name Kelechi, wherever you are. First name, middle name, wherever you are. Somebody you're standing in the gap for. Kelechi, we break that unholy alliance now. We pour the oil of the Lord, the fire of the Holy Spirit 
We command your freedom. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Right, so we're back tomorrow at 7 p.m. Spread the word. Let the whole world and their dog and their dog's grandmother know that God is raising a people. And Pastor Tosin inadvertently, she's the Aproco student for this evening at the end, uh, shared where we're going tomorrow. Because that's actually tomorrow's focus. We're going back to Daniel 11 where we started, which is that they that know their God, they that have communion with their God, are the ones that will be strong and do exploits. As we're going to look tomorrow, today we looked at what it is to have fellowship or communion with the Spirit. Tomorrow we're going to look at how you can have this fellowship and communion. And communion. Love you. See you at 6.30 a.m. for Morning Drops of Glory UK time for Morning Drops of Glory tomorrow. And also remember, if you are a partner or plan to be a partner with Kingdom Culture Movement financially, please don't just give uh, contact at kculture.chrissy. Let's know. Write to us and tell us who you are give us a name, a phone number, and an email address because we are preparing some things for you, a system of benefit for you. And I don't just mean physical benefit. We want to be responsible for your destiny and your prosperity in the kingdom in this season. So let's know so we can make sure you are part of that arrangement. Love you. Have an amazing night. See you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Bye-bye. <laughs>